Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to On The Bench. We weren't supposed to pod today because Chris Knee is traveling back from Boston College and Brendan has an appointment. We will have the crew back together tomorrow for a breakdown of the BC game and a preview of UF. But apparently a lot of people wanted me to pod because evidently there's there some major developments that went down this weekend. So I'm here. I'm Josh Newberg. I got Zach Blostein with me. Uh, we're going to talk a little recruiting before I bring on a few stars from the athletic Andy Staples and Manny Navarro um, with the firing of Dan Mullen and the potential firing of Manny Diaz. I wanted to get those two guys on and talk a little bit about the coaching carousel and how it could impact FSU. Um, but first, let's bring on Zach and talk a little recruiting. Uh, Zach, how you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm actually. Uh, I'm missing out on all this this coaching change action. This is usually a big week for me with rumors and firings and interviews and all kinds of stuff going on. But all we got here in Tallahassee is a whole bunch of stability. Yeah, I mean, isn't it kind of fun to go to to watch the turmoil over on the on the other message boards recently? <laughs> yeah, I just w- w- go over there and just kind of wave. Hey, Alderman. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> having fun yet uh those guys are knee deep in it right now and uh fans are taking notice too a lot of fans are asking me have been hounding me on twitter on the Knowles 24 7 message board saying josh what does this mean for recruiting are we going to raid florida's commit list let's go but zach what does it mean for recruiting for florida state i think more than just you know looking at the 2022 class in specific you got to think that this is Mike Norvell and Florida State's time to, to, to really take back the state when it comes to recruiting. Um, for the past couple of years, UF has had a perfect opportunity to, to do that with Miami and FSU struggling on the field for, you know, since what, 2017. UF, UF got Dan Mullen in there. They started to look, you know, great on the field and they, they piled a couple of recruiting classes in, but they never took that next step mm-hmm. of becoming that elite program in the state of Florida that we've seen in the past. And I think if Mike Norvell and Florida State, you know, want to have success going forward, they're going to need to capitalize on, on this turmoil at, at UF and Miami. Obviously, you know, new coaching staffs bring excitement and, and all that stuff, but we always see it. You got to show it on the field. And I think Mike Norvell has got, you know, part of that figured out um, with the success that we're seeing in the latter portion of this season. But 
if they can have a really successful close this 2022 class and, you know, a, a strong start to the 23 class, I think, you know, they could be well on their way to, to you know, take back the state. Yeah, I, I, you know, ultimately, I think Dan Mullen's own failures on the football field are what cost him his job. But Florida State's recruiting in the offseason definitely applied pressure to Dan Mullen and, and caused people to wonder, like, what is going on with this program? And we saw it all offseason. I mean, Florida State, even with UF coming off of a SEC championship game, they couldn't capitalize on that. Yet Florida State was the one that landed the number one prospect in America and kept him committed. They were the ones that landed Sam McCall out of a city that UF perennially lands whoever they want out of. So there were some cracks in the armor and Florida currently has, you know, we're going to move on now to Florida state Florida's commit class. They currently have 12 commits, Zach, but I don't think that there's many on here that Florida state is all that interested in. Yeah. I mean, we knew that, uh, like a guy like Jaden Gibson, Florida State was in on, but it didn't really seem like Gibson was that all that interested in Florida State. Yeah, um, he's a four-star wide receiver out of the Winter Garden area, and he is a legacy prospect of Florida. I think both of his parents went there. I know yeah, his mom did. For sure. And he did visit FSU, right? Was it just for the seven-on-seven, seven, or did he come back for another one? No, it was just that seven-on-seven seven visit. Mm-hmm. And I think of all the guys on the commit list, if FSU staff could just pick one, they would pick the six foot five, hundred eighty five pound wide receiver. But even in he and he isn't, um, nobody has decommitted. None of these guys have. I think they suffered one decommitment, but Jaden Gibson was not one of them. I'm not sure if if Jaden Gibson opened it back up, FSU would even be a player for him at this time. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really sure the teams that he had involved just because I, I kind of checked him off the list when he didn't show up for his, or he didn't OV to FSU early on in the season before committing. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just kind of a foregone conclusion that he was going to end up at UF. I guess if he opens things back up, we'll see. I know Ron Dugan's had a pretty good relationship with with um, Jaden Gibson and, and his family. So um, there's definitely an in if, if they want to, you know, pursue. Mm-hmm. Um but, but I don't I don't see them doing so uh, as of right now. A lot of people have been asking about three-star Edison defensive end Francis Knowlton. You reached out to him this morning to see where things stood between uh, Knowlton and FSU. What was his reply? Yeah, I basically just asked um, if there had been any contact recently between him and Florida State, and he said not yet. That was his response. Um, you know, I know – Knowlton visited for the mega camp at FSU or early, early June. Yeah. And he was there and he got some attention from the FSU staff, but it wasn't like a true visit. Um, don't think he ever returned after that. Um, but, but, you know, Florida State could, couldn't get involved. He's had a big senior season, I think over 20 sacks for Edison. Um, they don't play extremely stiff competition, but that's still insane production um, in that area. So I think, uh, I think he'd be a guy to watch. Um, you know, another name to note that we'll probably talk about, EJ Lightsey, um, who, you know, got, if you've been listening to this podcast, we'd, we've talked about him since, you know, the spring. But it seemed like Florida State kind of faded, um, wasn't really communicating with him um, before his commitment to UF. So um, just a, uh, some names to monitor going forward. Um, not sure how interested Florida State's going to be, um, but, you know, definitely – you know, over these next few weeks, we can, we can monitor these guys. So it's kind of surprising to say that, that Florida state, you know, Florida just lost their head coach and Florida state's not going to go over and raid their commit list. It, it just, 
doesn't seem that way at this point. But um, one good way to tell on on who's on the board and who's not is where does the FSU staff go for in-home visits? Um, in-home visits will open up at the end of this week. And the surefire way to know if FSU is interested in EJ Lightsey or Francis Knowlton or Jaden Gibson is to follow the visits. And when the FSU coaches hit the recruiting trail, you know, we will definitely have an eye out to see if these names get visits. Um, right now, it just doesn't seem like FSU is going to pursue Francis Knowlton. Um, I don't know about EJ Lightsey. We'll see because linebacker is a need, but they kind of, they had their shot at EJ and it didn't seem like they, they really followed through with recruiting him all that hard toward the end of the summer. So we'll see what happens there. And then of course, we already talked about Jaden Gibson. Um, also in recruiting, there were some prospects that took visits elsewhere this week. Um, one notable name that was on the visits elsewhere list was Tyree West. He was going to go to Tennessee and the Tennessee Volunteers are getting the full Tyree West experience because Tyree West did not show to his visit to Tennessee. <laughs> Therefore, my confidence level remains at 10. I said every time Tyree West takes a visit elsewhere, I'm going to lower my confidence level one notch. Well, I thought I was going to lower it to a nine, but I did not. It's still at a 10. Um, Tyree West, did, did you hear from him at all this weekend? What do you expect him to do between now and early signing day? Our Tennessee site, um, you know, uh, called him yesterday. They asked me for his phone number and he kind of, uh, he, he got up with them and basically said that he might visit Tennessee um, that, that weekend before signing day. I think it's like the December 10th weekend of official visits. That's not a for sure thing. It's just something that he's talked about, but we know Tyree West um, and, and how his visit plans usually go. So definitely going to be a wait and see kind of thing. Um, just, you know, you're never sure until he shows up on campus that he that he's going to make it. So um, he mentioned Auburn and Florida as two other schools, but we know Florida's probably not going to be involved there mm -hmm. um, because of what's going down in Gainesville right now. And, you know, maybe Auburn, Auburn gets in the mix, but I just, you know, it, it, it's a struggle for Tyree to get on campus at Florida State, which is only 90 minutes from from where he lives. I just can't imagine that it's going to be um, you know, an easy job. I think he's got, what, three weekends left before signing day that he can official places. And one of those is locked into Florida State. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I guess the biggest thing is, does he show up on, on campuses um, uh, the other two weekends? So it'll be, he can either go this coming weekend or the weekend of December 10th for those other two um, official visit spots. Right. And that December 10 weekend could be big for both officials and unofficials. One guy that we know Florida State is trying to get back on campus for an unofficial potentially that weekend is Missouri four-star wide receiver Kevin Coleman. Uh, Coleman was in Oregon last weekend, and I believe he took another visit this, this past weekend. Yeah, he was at USC, um, USC, which is just, you know, take that for what, what it is. Like, yeah, I mean, they got blown out um, by UCLA. but and They don't have a coach. Yeah, they don't have a head coach. So, um, you know, Kevin Coleman's just taking some visits. I, I still view Oregon as the biggest threat. But like we've talked about, it's so vital for Florida State to get Kevin Coleman back on campus because there's just not many situations where you get, um, you know, a five-star highly recruited kid on an official in September, and that's the last time he visits before signing with that school. So it's just – 
they need to get him on an unofficial in December to sign him. That's point blank period. That's how I'm viewing this recruitment. I don't think FSU is going to sign Kevin Coleman without getting him back on campus before early signing period. Yeah, and I agree with that. And as I reported last week in Recruiting Scoop, the sources that I speak with within the more are 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 fairly optimistic that he's going to come back for an unofficial. But of course, within with unofficials, it's always kind of touch and go because there's no uh, you know, the team can't buy the recruit the flight. It's on the, it's on them to you know uh, pay for their own travel. So we'll continue to check on that. As of right now, nothing's officially set, um, but it'll be something that we continue to check on closer another uncommitted target that's been talked about a lot on the Knowles 24 7 message boards is Julian Armella the four-star offensive tackle from St. Thomas Aquinas tweeted yesterday afternoon that a decision could be coming soon or that a decision is coming soon we don't know what soon means yet Uh, we've reached out to Armella for further comment on a date we do not know when that will be but Zach, what what's your feelings on on Armel's tweet that he's going to commit soon? I mean, I think that has to bode well for Florida State. Um, just the way that I look at his recruitment, because I just can't see him committing to another school that's involved with him right now. Um, LSU doesn't have a coach. Uh, I don't believe he's a a, a take at Bama. And then yeah, I reached have- out to Tim Watts, the publisher of the Alabama site, and asked if. Uh, Alabama is still involved with Julian Armella and uh, he did some checking and came back and told me they are not. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Bama not involved UM and Florida both have turmoil going on at their programs. Um, I don't think he was ever really interested in UM. Um, and then, you know, the other two uh, players in his top seven were Ohio state and Clemson. So I guess those are the two that you could watch, but I don't really see Ohio state getting involved in, um, Clemson hasn't had, you know, much traction there for much of his recruitment. So I think, you know, we were talking a couple of days ago and you, you mentioned process of elimination as to why you felt confident um, that, you know, Armella could end up at FSU. And I, I agree. I think if you look at all these other teams, I don't see, you know, a way he commits to any of these these other schools involved with them unless we're missing a piece of the puzzle here like just blatantly missing a team and and it could be because he's he's played this recruitment pretty close to his vest you know he doesn't he doesn't say a whole lot doesn't tip off a whole lot and sometimes there are teams that have popped up that were he he just says in interview yeah i've been talking to this program and that was more so during the summer um but to me process of elimination this seems like a slam dunk for Florida State right now with everything that we know um, I'm going to continue to do some digging we're going to continue to reach out to Armella and just try to find out what the date is I haven't seen any other reports on it yet um, he did tweet this out like yesterday evening and it's it's Monday morning right now so we're going to c- continue to work on it but off you know the initial tweet I think it's I think it's good news for Florida State we'll see anybody else that we need to weigh in on before uh, I get you out of here? Yeah, I mean, there's a few other guys that took uh, on unofficials and officials. Javante Barnes took his OV to Oklahoma this mm-hmm. weekend. They're kind of viewed as the, the top um, competition for Florida State in this recruitment, along with Alabama. So definitely interesting to see, um, you know, interested to see what, what Barnes does going forward. Um, I think he's got an official or two left. Um, Wesley Besaint was back at Miami. Um, you know, we didn't talk about him, but 
I think that's an important, you know, visit to monitor. I still feel good about FSU's chances, but um, definitely, definitely an interesting thing that he keeps going back to Miami, um, despite, you know, FSU's surge in this recruitment recently. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I saw Bud Elliott raised his conference from a four to a six. Um, I didn't, I didn't really pay too much. I know Miami won. I didn't watch the game at all. Um, I know Florida State was very confident, was feeling very good. I should say, I, I don't want to say confident, but feeling very good about where they stand with the Saints leaving that visit. I haven't heard anything otherwise since then. Um, he's he's deciding what, December 2nd, is it? December 4th. December 4th. So we're about a week away from his decision. Um, I haven't put a crystal ball pick in, but I've always said that I felt like it was Miami. I felt like it was Miami in the summer. I felt like it was Miami heading into the season, but boy, I don't know if I feel like it's Miami anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to, it's hard for us to picture like a kid like of that caliber committing to a school that's probably going to fire its head coach in the coming weeks. Yes. But also he's from the area. Um, you know, there's, ver there's various reasons why I could see him choosing Miami. Otherwise I'd, I, if it was such a slam dunk, I'd put my pick in for FSU right now, but Maybe at this point I'm leaning more FSU than I have been in a while, but I still got to, st I'm still not confident enough to put in a crystal ball pick just yet. Have you put a pick in? No, no, I have not. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So I was waiting on, cause he was taking that, uh, a, I believe in unofficial to UF this weekend, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not because of, you know, I would doubt it's happening. Yeah. So I believe he's done with visits. So I might, you know, take a few days and then decide where I'm entering. Yeah. And the reason why I say uh, there were some questions on the message board, like about officials and unofficials that UF has canceled one, they're down their head coach. So they'd rather have this kid come in a week or two later when they get the new head coach. So they can actually have a shot at him. And also all these coaches that are on staff, they don't know if they're going to be gone in a week or two. And they're just trying to game plan for this week. Everybody's kind of doing double duty. Everybody has more responsibilities than they normally do on staff. So the last thing they want to do is focus on some recruits that they might not even be around for in a week or two anyway. So it is the most common thing for a program to just cancel all visits when a coaching search is going on. I'm pretty certain it happened at Florida State, but I wouldn't expect Armella to be there. I wouldn't expect was Leitze and uh, Besaint going to be there as well? Um, Besaint was. Besaint I, don't was. About, I don't know about Leitze, yeah, but I don't know about Leitze. Either way, I thought it would have been a good opportunity for Florida State to, you know, whoop up on the Gators in front of those guys. But I'm not surprised that that Florida's canceled those visits. So we'll have to continue to stay on Besaint um, with that December fourth decision. Anything else in recruiting that we need to know about? Um, I think that pretty much covers it. All right. Well, good job, Zach. I'm going to talk to Andy Staples and Manny Navarro up next. I got Andy Staples of The Athletic joining me here on the bench today. Andy, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Josh. I am. Uh, I'm good. Been a little, little busy down down this way yeah yeah I'd say so it's been less than 24 hours since the firing of Dan Mullen and I'm in full-on FOMO mode because I love covering a coaching <laughs> search and I don't have one of my own and this is like one of the first times that I don't have any coaching rumors or 
literally anything to chase up on. So I figured I'd bring my man, Andy Staples on. We've talked a little bit throughout the season. Um, you and I were kind of on this hot seat thing for Dan Mullen early. How did it because unfold? We, because we pay attention to recruiting. That's, that's why we were. That's I mean, a good that's, point. That's a good point. That's a great that's, point. That's really what it is. I mean, I think it was trajectory because I think the record and what happened this season isn't fine, but he still has a job if he's got a, a top 10 recruiting class coming in because you can just point to it and say, well, when these guys get here, everything's going to be fine. But when you've got Kirby flipping your your highest rated recruits, well, I mean, we can flip one of them. We'll, we'll see what happens with the other one. But he's down to Georgia and Alabama, it sounds like. So when, when you've got that happening – and you're losing to South Carolina, and you're giving up 52 to Samford, and you are losing to Missouri, then I, I just don't know how you how you keep going. I, I don't know what what there is for for the fan base or for the program to look forward to if you're not going to bring in really good players. Because you think about it, you did have the two first rounders. You had Kyle Trask. What what are all three of those guys? Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, and Kyle Trask have in common. They were all recruited by Jim McElwain. That's correct. And remember, we bashed Jim McElwain's recruiting because he would go play Jimbo and Florida State would expose them. And we say, okay, this, this Florida team does not have the talent it needs. Well, it turns out it had decent talent. And you coach that talent up and it could, it could be pretty good. But right now, they, they have less talent than they had then. And it seems yeah. like quite a bit less. And you can feel it. The tectonic plates of the big three are shifting like you can just feel it fsu has been in full-on rebuild mode for the past like four years meanwhile dan mullen is over there fumbling every opportunity to put distance between uf and the other two programs in the state and we know in college football nothing is forever even when it seems like it's going to be forever nothing ever lasts forever so with the firing of dan mullen do you think this also signifies the beginning of fsu's next rise to prominence I think that depends on who Florida hires. You know, Florida hires somebody who can really recruit. I don't, I don't think that FSU will have as much chance to take advantage of, of this. It's been a slow build for them. I mean, you've seen how hard they've had to work to get this thing going. And I think, they're, I think they're now in the right spot in terms of trajectory. Now they just have to keep building on it. But if Florida... And I don't know who Florida's going to hire at this point. You know, let, let's say it hypothetically, let's say it's like Lane Kiffin. Lane's somebody who can recruit and, and, and can coach him up and has taken teams that had what looks like less talent and, and made them pretty darn good. Like, I don't know that you get much, much window to, to take advantage of that. If they hire somebody who has a learning curve or who isn't a good fit and it's a crapshoot, so you never know then yes, then, then Florida State has the opportunity to really take advantage. The other piece of this is we don't know what Miami's going to do yet. Right. You know, I said Lane Kiffin. I would think if Miami opens, Lane Kiffin would be a candidate there. And, and you know, most people assume, okay, they're just going to take the SEC job. He's a little bit different, different kind of cat. It, it may have more to do with, with where. But, you know, if Miami were to open and, and hire somebody who's just a dynamo, then that's – that's another thing both of them have to worry about. So we'll, we'll see. Cause here's the thing, like Manny at Miami, 
And Mike, the, the thing that has impressed me about both of those guys this year is how hard their teams have played for them. Because Manny, the Kings kind of quit on him his first year. But this year they haven't quit. Now they haven't won every game, but they absolutely haven't quit. And then what Norvell has done has just been pretty amazing because that team could have completely bagged it. I would say after the Wake Forest game, they could have said, that's it. Because at that point, you didn't know Wake Forest was going to be this good. And you're thinking, oh, good Lord. If, if we're going to get crushed by Wake Forest like this, there's no way this is ever going to work. But they kept at it, and you could see it. And there were games like uh, if Jordan Travis had played against NC State, I think they probably win that game. You know, it, and, and there, there were moments where they were just they, – they were close and, and just couldn't quite get over the hump. And it felt like with Miami, they finally did – get over that yeah. hump and I think they needed those moments as painful as they were for Florida State fans and and for this team to get to where it wants to be which is back to making a ball every year back to competing for an ACC championship every year back to competing for a national championship I feel like there was no way we've learned we've learned the hard way there's no cutting corners in getting FSU no. back to where they need to be and even to this point, it's going to be really hard to get them to the next step because you are losing Jermaine Johnson. You're losing Keir Thomas. You're going to lose a lot of the talent that you brought in. Give it to, you know, you got to give the Mike Norvell credit because he did bring those guys in. They're not Willie Taggart guys. Um, he's got to do it again this year. He's got to find that magic in a bottle and, and produce a first rounder. It's not going to be easy, but I do feel like just the the shifting of the big three and sometimes it happens slow and sometimes it happens fast, but I feel like you have had that window of opportunity. They made it to those ACC championship games. I always felt like you did that. They never capitalized on that. They never yeah, capitalized. They certainly, didn't, they certainly didn't in terms of getting players. Yeah. I, because I mean, think if you're going to SEC championship games, you should be beating Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, Ohio State, teams like that for recruits every once in a while. And as much Almost as Mullen never wants to brag, that. and he wants to brag about that. You know, he wants to brag about the New Year's Six Bowls. He wants to brag about making it to the SEC Championship. Well, then you need to take that and brag about that on the recruiting trail and turn it into better recruits so you can now win the SEC. I just, it didn't seem like he was, uh, it seemed like he was hustling backwards. And it leads well, me it, to my it, final well, yeah, go well, ahead. No, I, here's, here's something I've been saying, and, and it's interesting because if FSU was operating at full capacity, I think all of that would have been exposed sooner. Just like it was with McElwain. Right. But that's the thing. That's, that was the opportunity that Dan Mullen had, that Florida State was not op operating at full capacity, whether it was because of the head coach or the administration, the president was retiring. Like there was many reasons why FSU was not operating. And that was the, uh, that was the window of opportunity that seems like it has closed on Dan Mullen. Um, did you feel like the end of Dan Mullen's tenure was kind of like that person that quits his job without giving two weeks notice? Yeah, we, there, there were probably some, uh, some Milton office space jokes although he was he was more he got laid off and, and they let him keep working but it, it did feel like he was done. and somebody brought this up to me a couple of weeks ago and I had not really thought about it and it, it is a really interesting point I mean at that point Dan Mullen had been a, an SEC head coach for 13 years that's going to burn out most people Nick Saban is a cyborg he doesn't count but most people that's going to burn out and I think at a certain point Mullen probably looked at what what was ahead and was like oh no I, and it may have been when those when those recruits started decommitting 
because that, that was right around the Georgia game too. Mm-hmm. And he got them up to play in the Georgia game. You know, they, they were, remember, it was 24 nothing in half, but all of that really happened in the last two minutes of the first half. Florida was playing Georgia kind of toe-to-toe for, for that, that yeah. first half. Almost two quarters. And, but see, that was, the, that was the thing. And that was where you knew something was truly off. Because if you can get your team up to play that Georgia team toe-to-toe for a half, you should crush South Carolina. You, know, you should have no problem beating Missouri, and, and your, your FCS game should be a blowout. And it wasn't. So for whatever reason, he couldn't, he couldn't get these guys to play at a consistent level. And you know, that's, that's half the battle right there. Is, so is- you think that is what caused his demeanor towards the end of the season, the fact that he was rejected because he couldn't get these guys to, to do what he wanted? Or do you think he something in him just wasn't – I've just felt like something in him wasn't the same from when he took the job. The way that he talked and the way that he carried himself compared to the end was just such a stark contrast. Well, I mean, go, go back to January of last year when, when he's – I don't know if it was him or his agent or who, who threw it out to Adam Schefter – to say Dan Mullen wants an NFL job, but I do know nobody in the NFL wanted him. So it was someone in his camps, presumably with his consent did that. And I think it's, it's probably, he thought he's going to get an NFL job after coaching very well at Florida. And that didn't materialize. And it's like, Oh no, what? Cause I, he'd been at Florida before. So I think he's, he, he's got to know that Florida can chew people up and spit them out. It's, it's done that before it is a hard job. It's one of those places where if you think you're going to be there for 20 years, that's, I mean, Steve Spurrier wasn't there for 20 years. Steve Spurrier was there for 11 years as the mm-hmm. head coach. And he got to a point where the losses were so bad and the wins were just a relief instead of something to celebrate. So it's, it's not a place where you, you should think you're going to have a Kirk Ferentz or a Bob Stoops type tenure. It's just not. Oh, by the way, I laughed when the Bob Stoops rumors started. Of course. Because uh, I thought of I thought back to coming on with you guys during that coaching search. And you're like, well, what about, you know, it, could they in, just in like three weeks announce it's Bob Stoops? I'm like, they could hire Bob Stoops right now. He's not doing anything but selling tequila. So I think Bob Stoops is enjoying selling tequila, by the way. I think so, too. Um, all right. When I'm looking at a coaching search, I like to determine a timeline or at least try to figure out the important mm-hmm. dates. So to me, there's three important dates. One, you have early signing day. Two, yep. you have the new year. I don't know why, but things get done before or after the new year. And then three, to me, the, the other important date is the opening of the dead period, which is usually like January 7th or January 9th. It's when coaches yeah. can get back out on the road to finish up recruiting. So I think those are three significant dates um, to look. I think they'll have a coach in a week. Okay. So you think this is going to go. So early signing day is December 15. You feel very confident that they'll have a coach before that. I think uh, the the only thing that would change it, if you've got somebody in a, in a conference championship game, then then it's going to push to another week, which that's what happened with FSU, right? Uh, Memphis was in the American championship game. So if, and, and I'm going through candidates. I'm not sure unless, you know, I know Dan Lanning at Georgia, the defensive coordinator is going to be a candidate for jobs. I don't mm-hmm. think it's this job. So I, I don't know that, that he would be one. I don't think there's anybody at Alabama. I know Bill O'Brien's name has been floated a lot of places, but I'm not sure he's, he's one. Um, there's really nobody at Ohio state. 
maybe Jim Leonard at Wisconsin, but these, these are people who would be playing in conference championship games. So yeah. everybody else I would think is available. Like Lane Kiffin, we talked about whether it's Florida or Miami. I, and I still, I, somebody has got to convince me that Florida is going to go after Lane Kiffin because it, based on people I talked to, it didn't sound like that was a, a path they wanted to go down, but it might be that through the vetting process, they changed their minds. Uh, but Lane Kiffin's last game was Thursday. You know, the Egg Bowl's on Thanksgiving. So uh, if Florida or if Miami, if they decided to make a move, which they haven't made a move yet, so I'm guessing that that's a little bit different timetable there for them. But, you know, you could, you could go to him quickly if, if he's one. But I would think most everybody finishes their season this weekend, and then next week would be the, the, the time when the moves get made. Yeah, so you think maybe by Sunday – we could have an announcement on who the next coaches of the 40 Gators. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I think it depends on who it is. It also depends on if they want to talk to some people in person. It's interesting. You know, we're doing this over zoom right now. I don't know that the in-person thing has to happen. Anymore. I don't think so. Not after, not after what we, you know, how our lives changed during the pandemic and how things are so much more acceptable now to do it over zoom. So yeah, that does. Um, shorten the coaching search up quite considerably because these guys were going flying everywhere um, setting oh, up yeah flights. you had to, you had to go to some like nondescript Hilton next to the Dallas airport or just or meet right airport. on the tarmac like you know Florida State did with Willie Taggart uh, kind of lost in the midst of all this is AD Florida AD Scott Strickland and all the controversy that's kind of surrounding him Two questions. One, is he kind of getting a pass on all of that? And two, are you confident in him making this hire for, for the Gators? I don't think he's getting a pass on it. I, you know, locally, he, he's getting a lot of heat over the women's basketball situation where he had a coach that was accused of, of being abusive to his players. They looked into the claims. Some of them, they didn't really find a lot of credence in, but they found some credence in some. And instead of just getting rid of him, because, I mean, he wasn't even winning they extended him. It was very bizarre. Like they made it every mistake they could have made in that situation they made. And then, and then PR blunder after PR blunder, when the, the school paper comes and says, all right, we got this stuff on it. We're going to ask some questions about it. They're like, Oh no, we stand by our statement. When we, when we said he was resigning for personal reasons, like they messed up every step of the way on that. So that, that I think that is, as ding Scott Strickland quite a bit. But then you can fire as 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 the head coach and kind of, now the ship, the focus yeah. completely shifts to, but here's, here's the thing. Coach. Scott Strickland, I think understands he's on the clock with this hire. If it doesn't work, they're both gone. If it works, he's fine. I mean, it, it, it probably comes down to that. But is there any concern that the man hiring the, the future of the, the UF football program himself could be out of a job in the next, you know, 12 months, if the investigation proved, you know, if things, so then you have, no, cause I don't, making a I don't think that's going to, I don't necessarily, I think they would have already fired him over the women's basketball thing. If they were going to, uh, the, the football part is, is the more important one. And if it doesn't look like the new hire is doing well, then that'll be that. And that's, that's part of being an AD at that level is you, you get maybe two hires, but it, it sort of depends on the timing. It, the fact that he had a football hire so early in his tenure, he gets two. You know, if, it, if, this is, if his first football hire had come now, this would be it probably. It'd probably be he's tied to sort of like Sean Eichhorst and, and Mike Riley at Nebraska. 
you know, Eichhorst fires Bo Pelini, hires Mike Riley. They fired Sean Eichhorst before they fired Mike Riley. But that's that's what will happen if the if this doesn't work out, they'll move on from him too. And so he he knows, I think, that he's under significant pressure, which is interesting because you look at these jobs, I, none of them, it's it's worse than than the the divorce rate for new marriages. I mean, most of them don't work out. You just sort of have to accept that, like, it, especially at a place like Florida or Florida State, where the expectations are so high. Mm-hmm. You just need to accept that most of the hires won't work out, that you're probably going to be doing this again. And, you know, for him, I'm sure that's that's not very comforting because he doesn't get to do this again, probably. Right. And yeah, and Florida State fans already know that, that this hire won't work out, Andy. So <laughs> we we already know well, that no matter who see, it is. Florida no, State just... fans were, were spoiled because they had a coach forever who was one of the all-time greats. And then they he passed it along to another guy who won a national title. And I know that guy didn't leave on the best of terms, but it was a pretty good tenure. Yeah. And then, but now Florida State has to deal with what everybody else had to deal with for all this time. What do you think of, uh, do you think Mike Norvell is on the other side? This will be the last thing before I let you go. But do you think Mike Norvell is on the other side of this? Because after 0-4, there was real, it, it, there is, it kind of got the feeling of here we go again. Like, are we really going to turn over, turn this thing over again after two years? But do you think he's on the other side? I think he is. Now, here's the thing. As, as we learned from Florida and, and several of these situations over the last few years, Anybody can have a bad six weeks and it can completely unravel. But given the way they've, they've gotten this thing under control, I think they're going to make it tougher to have that bad six weeks, the, the way they're doing They seem to be capable of, of, of generating a consistent effort on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think when you can do that, that, that insulates you against a lot of the other stuff. And so we'll see. I mean, here, here's the thing. You know, Florida State has a player – who is a completely dominant guy who they got out of the transfer portal in Jermaine Johnson. Being able to get a guy like that every year, not a guarantee. You, you got to be able to recruit some of those guys. And I know they have some, some good players coming in the class. They have the number one overall recruit in the 24-7 composite. And that, that matters. And I, I think that's interesting because I've framed the Mullen thing kind of against Norvell quite a bit as, as people when people ask me, what should Florida do? Because I've said, you know, if you look at those classes below the three that FSU has in the top 100, the two classes don't look all that different, but FSU has those three guys. Right. And those, and one's the number one overall recruit. Yeah. One's the number one overall recruit and one's a quarterback that, that they really like. And, and now Florida's got a quarterback that, that they like too. We'll see if, if he sticks. I mean, the last staff when it got fired had a quarterback named Matt Corral committed and, uh, the the new staff decided on somebody else. So uh, hey, it happens. Uh, you know, Mike Norvell parted ways with Jeff Sims. The same, you know, the same way you just that, that's exactly right. That's going to play and, out. And, and Mac and Mac grabbed uh, grabbed Sam Howell when when Willie couldn't tell Sam who the offensive coordinator was going to be. So that's right. how it goes. Can uh, change the heartbeat of a program in a second. Um, Andy, thank you for joining us. Good luck with this coaching search. We'll be following your work. As always, you can read Andy's work at The Athletic. Uh, Give them your Twitter handle where they can follow you at. At Andy underscore Staples. 
All right, Andy, have a great day. All right, I'm going to go get Bob Stoops, uh, find his private plane. So. Bob, we trust. Next up, we have Manny Navarro of The Athletic joining me on the bench. Uh, Manny, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, it's nice not to be in the middle of one of these and just talk to you guys that are participating in it. So I'm, I'm enjoying <laughs> myself. Yeah, I, I was hoping that, you know, uh, we would avoid this for a little while with Manny Diaz. But unfortunately, this is the this is the mess of being mediocre for 20 years. That's it. So last week, Miami fired their athletic director, Blake James, after losing to Florida State. This week, Manny Diaz still has a job. Will he have a job next Monday? Man, if I was a betting man, I would say no. I just think uh, the tea leaves, you know, you don't fire the athletic director with two, le uh, two weeks left in the regular season uh, unless you're intending to do something big. Um, and my thought is that, uh, that you know, if they, could, if they can land the home run higher, I think Miami makes a change. If they cannot land the home run higher, then I think Manny Diaz, assuming he wins out and this doesn't uh, all of a sudden blow up in his face, I think there's a slight chance he comes back. Were you surprised to see the UF job open up before Miami? Not at all, because you, you watch the Gators play the last few weeks and you could tell those kids have quit on Mullen. It's been the opposite story with Manny Diaz. I mean, say what you will about how terrible they look on defense. I, they're still playing for the guy. And, you know, the, offensively, there's been an improvement under Tyler Van Dyke. So there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm from the kids, that, you know, even in a six and five season. They want to win still. And uh, I could say this for the past, when Miami's gone through this before, we've seen the 58 nothing Al Golden mm -hmm. you know, blowout loss. That's not happening here. They're still playing for Manny Diaz. But I think that starts at the top because it looked to me like Dan Mullen quit on his team, which in turn caused the team right. to quit. I felt yeah. like throughout this, Manny Diaz, he cares. I mean, whether or not the results are there, I feel like watching Manny before, during, and after games, he cares. I feel like Dan Mullen was maybe indifferent to losing, defiant to losing. Um, he didn't really want to dig into the aspects of the program that he needed to dig into. I feel like Manny wants to do those things. He hasn't been very effective at them, but maybe that's why Manny still has a job today. Yeah, I think there's no question. I think there's people in Miami's administration that like Manny, and they think that, you know, he puts his heart and soul into this. Um, they're just not happy with the results, you know, and, and ultimately um, the fan base uh, has a big say in this. I think, you know, the, the, the complaining, the booing, uh, the, the, the planes flying overhead of the stadium <laughs> this past weekend, like all of that is soaked in by the administration and, and, Ultimately, you know, this is about being a successful brand. And when people, you know, when, when Kirk Herbstreit's going on college game day and calling out the president, like that resonated in there. That, you know, that, that, that was heard. And, and the president doesn't want this to be a stain on him. You know, there's a lot of other factors uh, as far as the president's concerned. You know, he was not necessarily doing a, a great job himself a couple of years ago. COVID-19 comes along. Uh, he, he makes himself look really good with the way he handled that situation, the influence that he had. Um, uh, but people are still complaining behind the scenes about the law school rankings dropping and, and, you know, each of the, each of the colleges academically have slipped a little bit. So he can't also have a bad the, football team. Uh, yeah, he can't, he just can't afford to have it. So it's, it's kind of uh, a deal where 
uh, he wants us to get right. And they're now all of a sudden, because of all the money they made with you health, um, they're, they're going to put some money into the football program. You gotta, you gotta feed what got you there. And yeah. I think that it's probably time to do that. So I had Andy Staples on prior to you and we talked a little bit about a timeline. So for Miami, the timeline to me is interesting first and foremost with the AD hire. Um, do you think the AD hire gets done somewhat quickly? Do you think that they're waiting to, to announce Manny's decision and until a new AD is hired? What do you, how do you think that part of it's going to play out? Yeah, I, I don't know the, the, the order that it's going to go. I mean, ultimately, what I was told was they want to act swiftly with the athletic director. They do want to do a thorough search. I've reached out to a couple of former Hurricanes who are interested in the job, and I know they have yet to officially been, been interviewed for that job. Mm-hmm. So it's Monday morning, the, a, week, a full week later after Blake James has been laid off, and I don't know how much closer we are to a hire. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, Manny's fate is, is tied to whether or not they can get a better coach here. And I don't know that they're going to get that answer, whether it's Mario, whether it's Lane Kiffin, whether whoever it is that they want. Um, I don't know that we'll get that answer for another month. So, so do you think a coach could be hired before an AD is hired? If they say they let go of Manny I, on Sunday morning or something. I don't, I think you're more likely to see it the other way around. The AD will get hired first, okay. but I also don't know that, um, it's not all sort of happening at the same time, right? Like it's <laughs> behind the scenes, it, like it could be 80 head coach already going on and, and them knowing, you know, from having conversations perhaps with this 80 candidate who, who they want and what their vote is and so forth. So um, I, I think it, it could all be happening at once. Ultimately, I think the 80 gets announced before the head coach. Um, but Hey, stranger things have happened, right? Could be a double announcement. <laughs> you never know. Could be right. Right. Um, do you think there's any, and like, I don't ever think a coaching hire should be dictated by a recruit or recruiting, but do you think there's any sense of urgency for Miami to get this hire done before the early signing period? I, I got the sense from my conversations with the administration that what they care about more is not losing Tyler Van Dyke and James Williams and Leonard Taylor. Recruiting like I their think, own roster. Right. Basically, basically trying to protect those guys from leaving. Um, I think you could sacrifice one recruiting class. Uh, I mean, look, they've basically done that anyway. Yeah. I mean, Manny Diaz's intention was to was to finish strong, and it's just not going to happen. So um, I think you, you can survive one class being bad, especially if you can address needs in the portal. Um, it's next year's class, right? It's, it's the momentum after that. So I think that uh, ultimately, you know, all of this is not predicated on recruits in, in the 2022 class. This is predicated on keeping what you've already got. That's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. What's a home run hire for athletic director. What's that look like to you? <sighs> it's a good question. You know, I, I know Tom Jurich's name has been sort of thrown around like by different people with around Miami. Uh, Dan Radakovich from, from Clemson, obviously is another guy who's obviously done a tremendous job. I mean, I don't know ultimately how much they're willing to spend on an athletic director hire, you know, just looking at how much some of those guys are making. I think Blake James was somewhere in the neighborhood of a million dollars. I've seen some of the higher paid ones over two, right? So I don't know. It's just, it depends on what Miami, what Miami really thinks is required to get the coach that they want. I think this more has, this, this has more to do with the coaches that they want and how does that guy sort of fit into 
their their overall plans with the football team because th that's what it is. This is all about football. Like I know people are gonna sit there and say, "Well, what about the basketball and the baseball team?" No, football is the money maker, dude. Like that's <laughs> yeah. you've got to get that right before anything else. Nothing flows without it. Right. If you were in Vegas right now and you were putting your money on Lane Kiffin, Mario Cristobal, or the field, which ticket you buy in? <laughs> well, I think. I, I mean, it, it's so difficult because we really don't know what Mario feels deep down inside, like how much he really wants to come back. You know, like, is this really something that calls to him and whether or not they'll be able to sell him mm -hmm. that they're going to spend money. Um, but I, I, I think honestly, the better odds is Mario to be, to be honest. I think, I think knowing his limitations up there at Oregon, I don't think they're ever going to be a championship team. Mm -hmm. And it's just has to do with the recruiting base. You got to, you got to go out there and win everywhere out West. I think if he comes here, he has a very, very, very winnable division every single year. You get to the ACC championship every single year in this division. You, Pittsburgh's not better than you. Um, North Carolina's not better than you. If you, if, if you put Mario Cristobal in this situation and he is recruiting the crap out of the Southeast, he's going to win that division every year. And, and, and have a chance to go to the ACC championship in the playoff every single year. So, I mean, yes, Oregon's a nice situation too, but I still feel like there's more, there's a higher ceiling at Miami. You can win a championship here. Got Manny Navarro of the athletic on the bench with me here. Um, before I let you go, I wanted to know if you were, if you were going to hire a coach at Miami and it's not, I mean, how will the fan base take it? Are they going to be able to handle it if it's not Lane Kiffin or Mario Cristobal? I don't know. I think it's cert certainly been built up to be one of those two guys, right? And, and the school coming out and saying that they're going to spend money and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't think it'll, they'll handle it well. And, and, and the thought of Manny Diaz coming back, like, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know how that's going to be received. Like to me, my plan B would be if you don't, if you don't get the two home run hires, you promote Rhett Lashley to head coach and you hire a defensive coordinator and you kind of let him mm. continue to work with Tyler Van Dyke and that offense, which is almost an draft interim coach. basis kind of deal. Yes. Semi-permanent. Yes. We've yes. seen it. It's, it's, yeah. it's rare. Right. But I think like that made before, I think you could get away with that. And then, you know, you hire, you, you go out and you hire a really good defensive coordinator and you spend big on the defensive coordinator and you just say, okay, Hey, we're, we're going all in with this guy and we're hoping he can between whatever we can gather in the transfer portal and maybe a couple of those incoming freshman cornerbacks that they've got, you, you pull it off that way. What's your perspective on Florida state from somebody that lives in Miami and covers Miami on a daily basis? Just what's your perspective on what's been transpiring up in Tallahassee? I, I mean, Norvell's done a good job uh, to me. I mean, he, he's kept that recruiting class intact, which was always the most important thing. Um, even with the 0-4 start and the loss to uh, Jacksonville State, you sit there and you say, man, this is this is a bad sign. But he, he's turned it around and they, and they keep playing for him. So to me, he's got all the makings of a good coach. Like if you can survive that initial punch to the gut um, and, and still hold on to the recruits, yeah, he's got something going in the right way. And um, you know, I'm kind of rooting for him, man, because I, I want Florida State to be good. You know, we need somebody in the state. Yeah, to we need good, somebody dude. to represent. It's <laughs> right. been crazy out here. Uh, what a year. It's been fun. Yep. Um, Manny, thank you for joining me on the bench. Um, continue reading all your information on The Athletic. Tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter. 
Yeah, you can follow me at Manny underscore Navarro on Twitter and um, you can listen to the podcast Wide Right. Um, that's available everywhere. So um, that's where I uh, do my thing most weeks. I, I, I'm not writing. The good thing about The Athletic, man, like I'm not pounding the, the keyboard every single day. Like that's the part that I enjoy the most. You don't have like the 11 a.m. update, the 1 no. p.m. update, the 1.30 no. update? <laughs> no, I can just like go, like we have a little chat area and I can just go in there and throw whatever the hell I want in there and walk away and nobody's like, you know, ringing my neck, so. Yeah, well, good luck with the coaching search and even better luck with those Miami fans. I know how they can be. <laughs> All right, Josh, <laughs> All right, appreciate man. it, brother. See Take ya. Care. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of On the Bench. I am Josh Newberg. Thank you for listening. Chris and Brennan will be back tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.